I'm author C.J. Peterson, and my co-host over there is author Michael Scott Clifton. We're here for Welcome to Book World, The Great Escape. We're going to be talking about the fact that it's all in the details today. Before we start, though, Mike, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Well, we were, as we were talking earlier, uh, was we were at the uh, Winsboro Book Festival of Books in Winsboro, and uh, weather was great, but it was got pretty hot, especially afternoon, and uh, so... Uh, Anyway, uh, it's one of the few outdoor events that we go to. Usually we go indoor, mostly indoor events because of, uh, and we talked about that as well, because the unpredictability of the weather. Uh, and it's brutal on books. People don't think about that, but the humidity or like the heat actually messes with the books and it starts to ruin them after a while. And if it's raining or it has rained, even more so, yeah, that humidity, they soak up that, that moisture. But... Amelia and I are this weekend. Uh, we are leaving on a cruise. First one we've been to for, before pre-COVID. It's been five years. Since Where are you going? Been. Let's see. The Port of Calls or Cozumel, which we probably won't get off the boat for that. Um, Jamaica, which is a beautiful island. I don't know if we'll get off there. Uh, and then I believe Grand Caymans, which we like that. We'll probably get off the boat there. We we don't necessarily go for the excursions anymore. We pretty much go because they you get weighted on hand and foot and you don't have to worry about anything. It's just very relaxful. And, and we hadn't, like I said, we haven't been on one for over five years. So we're kind of looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, a lot of times when we go, we get one of those hot rocks massages. That's really nice too. Just kind of pamper yourself. Right. I mean, you get a chef who makes you meals and yeah. no, it's nice. They Head clean it up. Towels. I mean, ever do fresh towels, you know, and then usually in the shape of some sort of animal, they pretty mm -hmm. artful with that. So uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, we've never we have not been on a cruise yet. We didn't thoroughly enjoy, and uh, yeah. so we're we're looking forward to it. And uh, and then of course the end of this month. Um, I'll be right back. Keep talking. Um, starting in June, we I will be going to Comic Cons. Pretty much one every month through actually through December of at the end of the year. So uh, looking forward to that. And uh, also our uh, on the school board at Chapel Hill, we have our high school graduation uh, the week. I believe we get back from the cruise. So and if you're all the graduates out there, our parents that have graduates, congratulations. That's uh, quite a step, and uh, it is a milestone that uh, that you will remember. And, uh, and again, congratulations. So um, the other things that uh, we have coming up is uh, I think next week we will be doing, well, we, won't, we will not have Book World next week because I'll be on the cruise, but we will be back on, on Wednesday May the 24th and um, with with uh, another guest or topic. And then of course, we'll be following up that with Wednesday, May the 31st uh, with uh, another book world topic. And with book world, what we do is we kind of have a potpourri of the things that we try to do. We want to introduce either current authors uh, or new authors, book topics, 
and things that we discuss that uh, have to do with writing. So Hi. CJ's back. So Sorry. I'm back. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, um, I am actually not feeling good still from this weekend. Um, so thank you for stepping in there. We went to Kilgore Geekin this weekend. We actually had a bit of fun. Um, they had this really good cosplay contest. They had this. They had a ramen cook-off, ramen noodle cook-off. There was actually a wedding on Sunday. That was kind of a neat idea at Geekin. So. They had a lot of fun. Um, we were there with the author Sandra Beersdorfer, um, Ed Hancock, uh, Richard Ramsey was there, Richard D. Ramsey. Um, and then there were a couple other ones that were there. So it was fun. I enjoy it. Got to see my one of my favorite cosplayers, Melanie. Melody, she was there. Um, and of course, Melissa and Rick, the owners and runners, uh, coordinators of Kilgore Geekend. <laughs> are always a treat to talk to. So that was fun. Um, but yeah, we weren't able, we actually had to leave for an emergency, family emergency on Saturday night early. Um, our daughter had to go to the ER. And then, like I said, I was sick Sunday, Monday, yesterday, and today. So I think it's going to get over soon because <laughs> it's, it's not fun. Um, <laughs> and Mother's Day weekend being sick is not going to be a treat at all. Um, but this is my first official Mother's Day. Um, because we adopted our daughter on May 17th. So I'm super excited. So that's, that makes me officially one. I was a stepmom, but now I'm a mom mom. So I'm super excited. So that'll be fun. Um, let's see what else. Uh, oh, it was for those who pay attention. It was free comic book day on Saturday as well. So we got free comic books. The vendor right next to us had comic books that he was giving away. So that was pretty cool. Um, if you were at a Comic-Con, there was probably a free comic book day somewhere within there that you could have found a free, free comic book. Ours for this year was Spidey. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yep. Um, and then we got a couple unique comic books. <laughs> I'm kind of, the one's kind of amusing. Um, mine was Star Wars Age of Resistance Heroes. Hmm that I was pretty excited about. And Trevor got Deadpool kills the Marvel universe. <laughs> so, you know, when you can go and just have fun and enjoy your Comic-Con family, it's always a good weekend. So that was neat. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the fact that it's all in the details. Uh, Mike and I are both authors and we've had a myriad of authors on here. We've had a myriad of people like producers. I mean, not, pro yeah, producers. We've had publishers. We've had, Artists have everything in between. So the details actually apply to all of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so the question is, can there be too many or can there be too few? And the answer to that is yes. And trying to find that fine balance is the question we're going to be talking about today. Well, it's um, the style in which one writes. And I think the genre in which one writes uh, pretty much predicates to a large degree the kind of details that you'll you'll be writing and uh, and of course uh, how detailed you want you want to be or want to get so for example CJ you and I write often in the fantasy realm which you have world building in mm -hmm. fantasy and therefore your fantasy books for example the average fantasy book uh, has more pages a larger word count 
than you than most of the other genres. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things, and we have talked about this before on the details, um, that I think, I guess it depends on your audience, mm-hmm. but how much scene description is too much, how much scene description is not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I have read books that were written, best-selling authors, best-selling books that were written in the 50s and 60s and even some in the 70s that have been made into movies. They're, you know, I won't mention them on the air here, but you would recognize immediately at least the movie, if not the book. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that those authors would be as successful, or their books, I should say, would be as successful today as they were 40 years ago, 30 or 40 years ago. Because I have found that readers, Mm -hmm. and this is a generalized statement, it's not true of everybody, obviously, but readers are a little less patient when Mm -hmm. it comes to getting from point A to point B. And um, I just think that's the world we live in now. I mean, what do you think about that, CJ? It's definitely an ADD society. So you have to grab them from the get-go. So starting something with like a page and a half of details or setting is not going to work well for you. You need to immediately have them dive into the story. Now, being fantasy authors and sci-fi authors, we do know that there is some world building that has to be in there. It's how you put it in there. Um, You can't just do like... Um, like I said, even three to four pages is too much because if they can't get past that first page, a lot of times readers will put it down because it is such an EDD society. They're more into audiobooks and film because they can be doing something while they're reading, quote unquote, reading books. And so if you just bog it down with details, I mean, you're going to have to have some setting. Sure. Uh, that's a definite must. Because they need to know, you know, and you need to reach all five senses when you set it up. But it's kind of how you set it up. Like, for mm-hmm. example, the book I'm writing right now, you have no idea what this one character looks like till like chapter 10 or something. And that's because she doesn't know who he is when he walks in. And so you get to find out what color are his eyes, what color is his hair. Before that, you knew more of his personality than you knew of him. And sometimes the readers like to just have it left to their imagination. They're just like, okay, you know, but you have to have something usually like the eye color is told or the hair color is told, or if there's a height issue for a reason, it's told a lot of it needs to anymore be assumed or presumed by the context that it's in. Right. You know, I like me personally, and I I read uh, cross genre. I like, fiction, uh, you know, uh, mysteries and thrillers and as well as sci-fi and fantasy. So I, I read across genre um, and I, I personally tend to like more detail when it comes to, for example, you enter a room, what's the color of the carpet? Mm-hmm. Is it all sheetrock or is it wood paneled? You know, mm-hmm. is there a vaulted ceiling or is it flat? And um and I like that because I think it embellishes the imagination and what, you know, the environment that the character or characters are entering in. Uh, but I, I, I do know 
that I do get impatient. And here I am in the fan, in the fantasy genre, which, you know, I, I generally write in where I do feel like there is too much. And again, I don't know if you agree with this or not, CJ, but I do think there's too much extraneous material mm-hmm. that gets in the way of the story and of your character, especially the character development. And if there's a downfall to me, and this is, again, my personal taste, but um, if there's a downfall to a certain genre like fantasy, I think sometimes you get so far out in the weeds that you forget, again, that you need to move on to the story. You need to move on with your characters and uh, and not spend 200 pages on world building. Mm-hmm. Well, Nancy Hudgens says she likes the details. And while I do agree, especially, like, for example, my time travel one, you kind of got to set the details up. You got to tell, like, for um, 1987, that lovely shag carpeting, um, the one in 1813, where, you know, they were walking on an island at that point that was deserted, you know, which is that, you know, the island that's in Putin Bay right now. So sometimes the details are good. Um, they walk down into a speakeasy. You know, what's it like going down into a speakeasy and what did it look like in 1922? So those details, even for fantasy or world building, they need to be in there, but don't inundate them to the point that that's all they've got in the first few pages, because you got to be able to hook them in somehow. Right. And you mentioned like they're on an an island. Okay. Mm -hmm. So unless there's a plot twist that you've deliberately put in there mm-hmm. uh if you've le- left out the detail that you're on an island and you're on page 30 or 40 uh that's usually not a good thing because you know the 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 reader could be confused well i didn't know they were on an island you know this mm-hmm. it, it's an important part of your story you definitely have to have those basic details in there and i think too uh even though I have, uh, in most of my books, I have some thread of romance or or love story, but it's not like you would find in a typical romance book or something like that. It's not, that's not the genre that I write in, and it's not uh, the the most important part, although it could be an important part. But I think when when you come to the emotion or emotions that you are describing of your character, I do think that you need to, as a writer, as an author, you need to err on the side of maybe a little too much instead of too little because the emotions of your characters are what defines them. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, you can't go wrong uh, trying to make that, you know, to identify them to the reader. You know, are they hot-headed? Are they, uh, are they, fearful? Are they uh, impatient? You know, mm-hmm. are they trustworthy? Do they like kittens? Do they hate dogs? You know, those are all the things, you know, when you're describing your characters, but especially the emotions of them. I would have, I would think in the rom- romance genre, that's probably real important, mm-hmm. but I think it's important in any, any genre. It is important in any genre. It's also important to show and don't tell. Um, uh, yes. So instead of telling the reader that they're angry 
or telling the reader that they're confused. You can use furrowed brows, shook their head. If they're nervous, ran their hands through their hair, rub the back of their neck, heavy sigh. I mean, show, don't tell. Those are details that need to be in there. Don't tell the reader what they're feeling. Have the reader feel it with the character. That is probably the number one mistake a writer I think can make is, is, is telling about an emotion rather than showing them. And I'll raise my hand to be the first one to say that when I first started out, I did that a lot. In fact, um, I'm, I'm not, this is in our book, but I'll, this emotion thesaurus, I have it near me. And uh, this is probably the most, I mean, I've used this repeatedly over and over again, because you're right, CJ, um, me personally, I have a tendency to slip into telling an emotion instead of showing it. And it is a big mistake and it's something you really need to avoid. But I do think you that is one area where maybe more detail is uh, is warranted. Yeah, like for example, um, they bring different habits like nibbling on their nails, <laughs> you know, or nervous laughter, you know, things that make the character real. And it allows the author or allows the reader to, like I said before, dive into the mind of the character themselves, which pulls them further and deeper into the story. Um, I think that's Nancy who said she loves the emotional thesaurus. But yeah, I use that thing. That's one of my bobbles when it comes to writing is that emotional thesaurus. I actually have it on my Kindle as well as the book itself. There's actually a whole series of books that uh, that these authors have written that are kind of follow along that that uh, line on writing. And uh, I I there's a I cannot think of it now, but there's one very closely related to it that I've been meaning to get. That uh, you know, it's just it's like kind of like your Bible. You know, you go back and forth, you look at it. I do think that there's one know, called the Master Series that I shared with the um, Spring Writers Conference in Netwell. Okay. Okay. That's one that has like settings. settings. But the I mean, best way to do it, honestly, is your five senses. What do you hear? What do you smell? What do you see? What can you touch? You know, make sure you hit all five of those senses when you're talking about the actual scene. You will know more than the reader is to know. I would, the only thing I would add on the, just one more uh, statement on the emotion is be careful not to in your description of the emotion of the character or emotions of the character, uh, don't slip into cliches because it's easy to do, you know? And uh, again, uh, made that mistake, been there, done that, not. So, you know, I, I, I speak from unfortunate experience. Uh, watch the cliche-ish descriptions, you know, of, of, of the emotion of your characters. Well, that and even just describing your characters. Yeah, well, cliche in any writing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sound is a dollar, cliche, went off like a rocket, cliche, you know, I mean, we can, we probably can come up with about a thousand in, in less than five minutes. So, you know, just, but the worst ones, I think, are the ones that she used when desc describing the emotions of a character. Um, some writers I found that I like, uh, authors, are very inventive mm -hmm. uh, and, and and unique in their description of you know of the emotions of their um, of, of their characters. And if you can <clears throat> tap into that, uh, I really think that 
that's that's a winner every time. You know, as long as you're not so off the wall that they a reader doesn't well, what exactly does that mean? So you know. And sometimes I can get inundated to the point that if I'm reading the book and I roll my eyes because every single paragraph has a description in the middle of a conversation, it gets kind of frustrating because it pulls away from the story. So instead of she said this while doing this and he said this while doing that and then she said this while doing that and then he said this while doing that and just he said this, she said this, he said, she said, he said, she said, just zap it down. Yeah. You know, if you do that after every single part of a discussion, it's going to drive the reader nuts and it pulls away from the conversation. Right. You don't, they're doing it while they're talking. You know, Greg Little, who we had on last week, one of the things, uh, questions I asked him about, because he, we talked a little bit about the science or science fiction of -hmm. the books that he wrote. And one point he made was that even though, it's science, quote, fiction, okay? You still have to write it in a way that it's possible or believable, which, again, is a detail, especially with science fiction. You just can't make something up that everybody knows a million years from now is still going to be impossible. You have to have enough detail to – you have to have enough scientific basis in fact – even though it's fiction, so that it, it's possible to the reader. It's not so far-fetched that, uh, you know, that it's basically bleeds over into fantasy, for example, and it's not it necessarily plausible. Yeah, yes, yes. Yep. Yeah, it definitely has to be plausible. It has to have some sort of basis in realism. And people are like, well, it's fiction. Well, you know what? It can be fiction, but if if you've got and there are some people who do overanalyze but <laughs> you have to know and like kind of you have to have a, be a jack or a jill of all trades you have to know enough to put some real basis in it right well i mean fiction period even though it's quote fiction unquote you still have to have a believable character you still mm-hmm. have to have believable circumstances even there though was, you, you might have made it up. Yeah, there will still be rules of law. There are still things you cannot go against. For example, you can't go against the character of the character. There are certain things that you cannot go against regarding whatever it is that they do. Even if you're making it all up completely and entirely, people are people at their core, no matter what planet or universe that they're in. They are still people that are still going to have flaws. Don't make them too perfect. Um, don't make in the cliche bad guy who is, you know, everything is wrong and he's utterly right. mysterious. And no, you know, they have to have some sort of a basis as to why they are the way they are. If I can get you to actually like the bad guy in the book, I have reached my goal because that means you have a full understanding of the bad guy and the good guy. Right. You know, we haven't, we don't talk much on book world about nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say that with the details uh, that nonfiction, that would be extremely important because mm-hmm. the details are what makes it nonfiction. So if you're writing a gardening book, I love to garden, then mm-hmm. whatever you, whatever facts, figures, uh, information that you put in the gardening book, it has to be, it has to be factual, it has to be true. 
And what's more, it has to be uh, in, it has to be clear enough, and I hate to say in, the, in enough amount, because that it, I'm, I'm trying to paraphrase as I was saying, you have to provide enough details so that it's clear uh, when the reader reads the book that uh, um, that you have not left something out. And I would say with his, with any kind of work on history um, that is nonfiction, you better be sure all the details uh, are not only correct, but you've you've included all the pertinent details to make that historical account mm -hmm. uh, valid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I was doing the time travel book, um, I had it literally part of it is regarding the Battle of Putin Bay. I pulled quotes, I pulled pictures of books, and I just from their boats, and I described the field and what was going on and what was going on inside the boats. And some of them were actual quotes that were from like Oliver Hazard Perry, you know, and they were quotes from like some of his lieutenants or generals that are in the Navy with him. And so I made sure that to make it more realistic to put it in there that a historian might be going, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, now is it fiction? Yeah. Did I make up some of it? Oh, definitely. definitely. <laughs> yeah. But some of it is actually real. And that's, you know, if you can put that element of realism in it, then that's extremely helpful. Yes. And that, that you do need some of those details for. Well, it's very much a balancing act. It's kind of like a, a trapeze artist walking on a tightrope. Mm -hmm. Because you have to have enough detail, depending on, again, the genre that you're writing in, uh, to, to entice the reader, to make your story flow, and to make it interesting. But by the same token, you don't want to be so wordy that you've got so much extraneous material that your character, that you're falling, your characters, your your uh, your scene description, all that's just falling on top of each other, tripping over each other, because you have too much there. I'm, I've heard it. I heard somebody tell me to say it once. Um, I don't remember now where I read it or if I heard it, but it's. They basically came down to the sentence that if you can say in one sentence, this is in writing, if you can say in one sentence uh, what someone else took a paragraph to write, you're always going to come out on top in terms of your, uh, you know, your, your book and your readership. Because it's always better to describe most of the time in one sentence what it takes a paragraph to say. Because... Um, again, we live in a, I don't know, we live in an impatient society. That's my take on it. And I think of particularly among younger folks, younger kids, they're even more so that way. And I just don't think the way that writing was done 40 or 50 years ago is um, the model that is successful today. Although like as Nancy Hudgens, Dana Wayne, aka Dana Wayne said, you know, she likes seeing description. There's still people out there that like a lot of detail. It's just in how you do it. Really it is, it's in how you do it. Um, and then one thing, one way to challenge yourself, write a short story. Yes. Honestly, Good if you point. write yes. short stories, you can always blow that story up later into a novel, but write a short story because that, that challenges you to write more with less. Can you write a full story in 7,500 words? That is an excellent point, CJ. 
writing short stories forces you to parse your words. And while like I hate writing short, short stories, I don't, well, I don't hate them. It's not my favorite thing to do, but it, it has made me a better writer down through the years because it does force you to get more bang for the fewer words mm -hmm. uh, that you put into a short story. And it, that makes for a, that makes for a good writing when you actually write a novel. Yeah, um, my short story for this year's for last year's holiday anthology, I'd take you back to 1650 Ireland. So imagine putting a setting in 1650 Ireland and having a whole story within that little story. That right. was challenging. Um, I, I did breach my normal 7,499 words, but <laughs> you know I got it under that mark. And can you challenge yourself to get under that mark? Well, like the, it's, it helps you, it, it helps to make you a better writer because again, you have to be, you have to get more bang for your buck with fewer words and it makes you have to, to, uh, you know, get a hundred dollars worth out of a $10 sentence. And uh, I think that's, it just makes you a better writer. And again, regardless of genre that you, you, you write with, you, you write in, and uh, I will say one last point, and with fantasy in general, I think one of the biggest problems that I see, that I've seen with fantasy down through the last 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years, is the fact that there is too much extraneous material in fantasy books. They're too big, they're too long, they're too wordy, and although there's lovers of fantasy that will read those books, where are the new readers coming from? the ones who don't have the patience or who that's not their first choice of genre. So I really do think if you're out there and you're writing, what, regardless of genre, but particularly in fantasy, um, you know, don't write a doorstop. Don't write a ship anchor. Um, you know, mean a million or, word. <laughs> yeah. Don't do a million word manuscript. Uh, who would do that? No idea. <laughs> uh well, awesome. I love that. Idea. Um, just a quick announcement or two. Um, number one, we will not be here for the next two weeks. As Mike mentioned, he's going to be going on a cruise the weekend after this. We're out of town. So on May 31st, we'll be returning for waiting for your muse slash. What do you do with writer's block? Um, I can't tell who said that. Oh, that was Nancy. She said, great show, guys. Details are important, but know when to say when. Key point, regardless of the genre, if you cross that believability line, you run the risk of losing your reader. Exactly. Um, also, Texas Sisters Press actually is going to be sending out notices soon. Uh, the Spring Writers Conference people got it the other day. That the annual holiday anthology, The Call, is now open. So it's 3,500 to 7,500 words, holiday-themed, family-friendly, fully edited, sent to me by August 15th. Um, for more details, head over to TexasSistersPress.com. We are not charging you to enter. And then this year, the winners, me and nine others, will only nine other authors will be in it, but we'll be getting a $10 Amazon gift card. So we'll be able to kind of give a little thank you this year and hoping to maybe bump that up next year. But each year we try to do something a little bit different. Um, the more unique, the better. We've had pretty much everything. Kaiju Christmas, Santa versus Satan, psychotic elves. We've had a zombie Christmas. We've had, and we've had those sweet ones that are in there too. So get your creative juices flowing and see what you can come up with. Um, in the meantime, everybody have a great 
few weeks and we will see you guys on the 31st of May talking about what to do when your muse takes a vacation. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>